Welcome to the Heartbeat for Hire podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Dowd. My goal is to help train leaders and sales organizations how to manage and deliver results with empathy, compassion, and kindness. Let's get started. Greetings and welcome to this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. If you've been listening for a while, you know we've got great guests and today is no exception. So I want to welcome Andrew Phelps to the stage. And Andrew is the co-founder and CEO of Incentive Pilot, an enterprise gamification and incentive platform responsible for over $200 million in new revenue in 2021. And he is an award-winning entrepreneur. He was named one of Arizona Republic's 35 entrepreneurs under 35 list for good reason. He is a House of Genius Phoenix participant, seed spot content matter expert of the year, and regularly asked to speak about design and entrepreneurship. He is well-versed in the challenges of small business and the startup world, while also assisting large corporate clients like GoDaddy and Panasonic. An expert in digital design and execution, he understands that every client is different and everyone needs a return on their investment. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. I'm happy to be here. I'm thrilled you're here. So if, for those of you that didn't understand what I just said, what Andrew does is he teaches companies how to play games, sort of. And I'd love you to share a little more about that. So can you just tell me why gamification? How did you land on this? And give us a little bit of your background of how you got to this. Absolutely. So uh I started as a, a graphic designer back about 10 years ago and quickly got involved in user experience design or UX design. And for the last 10 years, been working on building software with companies of all sizes. And uh, along the way, you know, we learned a lot of things about product and design. And we saw some opportunity to put those skills uh, to good use in the enterprise sales world. So at corporations with uh, sales forces in the thousands or tens of thousands, uh, along with companies that sell through channel partners with teams of tens of thousands, you know, there's a lot of competition for the attention of the sales reps. And we started designing programs that use, uh, little video games to get attention. And, uh, there's a ton of amazing research that talks all about the deep reasons gamification works. And we can talk about that as, uh, as deep yes. as we want today. Um, <laughs> I do, I do. But uh, there's also a really simple, uh, games provide a very simple way to get attention on the things that you want attention on. And so when you take something that's a little bit fun, like a one minute game of Flappy Bird or Space Invaders, and you tie in what you're trying to accomplish with your sales team at a scale of thousands, thousands or tens of thousands of people, you can really drive uh, incredible results. So Incentive Pilot is a platform that lets um, marketers and sales enablement people and sales leaders, you know, move the needle at scale by attaching their initiatives to fun games that people play. So I love games. I, I love word games. I love card games. I love journey games, all those kinds of things. I always have. And board games, you name it, this is totally my bag. But as a sales leader, this was something that always appealed to me. And it appealed to me when I was an individual contributor. I love the competition and the spirit of it all. And you've got some pretty tremendous results from what you've been, what you've been doing. I mean, I said the 200 million, but can you elaborate a little more? 
Yeah, absolutely. So that 200 million number is just for the programs that we have reliable numbers for getting, you know, this aggregated data from the big companies that we work with is very difficult. So that's actually just from two programs we ran last year, but by their own reporting, the engagement of the programs we ran, uh, you know, generated over $200 million in new revenue. So these are big technology companies that are selling mm -hmm. technology. And um, when before they started using Incentive Pilot, they used to, used to target numbers like 10 to 20% engagement. If we can get 10% of people to engage with this program and do this activity um, or perform you know, uh, do these trainings, then we can see an increase in revenue. Well, our gamified, uh, our gamified programs broke the 79% uh, engagement mark. So uh, what's typical engagement? Because I think it's really useful to, for people to understand why that's so significant. Yeah, before we got involved, the teams we were working with were targeting 10% engagement was considered a successful program. So, um, you know, almost difference. 80, almost eight times as much engagement and the results are, are very clear in the numbers. Um, and it's not rocket science. It's just about being able to get your message in front of your sellers. And like all of us, they don't like being spammed. So you have to give them not content they have to look at, but content they want to look at. And in our case, that's games. I mean, there's so many directions I want to go in this, but, but I mean, let's go into the science part about it a little bit and why games work so well. Well, I think uh, you just shared, you know, you love games. I think that's the yeah. simplest way to put it. People love games. I think at its core, um, context matters a lot, right? Uh, one of the reasons that very simple and doofy games work uh, at work is that, especially these big companies, it's totally out of the norm. So yeah. if you're, as the average salesperson, um, you're getting over 100 emails a day, you're working a bunch of deals, and uh, you're pulled into a lot of meetings that you probably don't want to be mm -hmm. a part of or might be a waste of your time. And so there is the kind of normal factors that make playing a game fun. Everyone likes to play, everybody uh, or many people have fun with you know friendly competition, but it's also the context of where we're doing it. If I have a bunch of emails I don't want to look at and then I see I get to play a minute on uh, on what we call tapped flap, which is like Flappy Bird, or hey, you got a new card for your poker hand because of the stuff you did yesterday, you know, it takes me out of work mode and puts me in a play yeah. mode for a minute. And I think that's really the power of games is, the switching of the two modes, right? We all do things on autopilot. It's actually the way our brain works. You know, you have sort of a very conscious, attentive mode and you have a more passive mode. We've all been in the car driving a long way and then you've gone for miles and you realize like you don't even remember the last, the last you know, 10 minutes of the drive. And that's really, it's actually a good thing, right? If you had to think consciously about everything you were doing, uh, it would be exhausting. Your brain right. would use a lot of energy and it's not helpful. So at work, most of us are in that autopilot mode most of the time. And that's actually, a good thing. The problem is when it becomes 100% of the time or uh, you know, a critically high level of the time. Games are a great tool to get us back into that attentive present state where we're open to new information, open to learning new things and connecting with our peers as people, not as coworkers. Mm -hmm. Because the longer you are at a company, the more you work with a team, the more you look at them uh, through the professional lens, right? And games are a great way to have that relationship seen in a different context, lets you connect about different things and lets you talk about different things. Um, because I think just shifting from work mode to play mode kind of opens us up to learning new things about one another. 
I agree. And I, I know when I was a leader um, with a big organization, I did a cahoot with my team. And one of those, you know, for anyone that doesn't know what a cahoot is, it's this multimedia kind of multiple choice quiz that you get to give to people with music and pictures. And, and I tried to customize it, but I asked everybody for a little known fact about themselves. And what it created was this opportunity for people to connect on a level they didn't connect before. And it was so rewarding on so many levels. And to this day, people still remember those little facts. They might not remember the details of the game, but they remember those little facts about each other. And I'd love you to share some observations about the connection and the culture that this kind of activity inspires both for leaders and for the sellers. Absolutely. Well, I think you get to you know, you get to mix it up and people get to learn a lot about each other. You know, I've seen on our own team how with games, the conversation becomes more free flowing and people learn things that they have in common. Oh, you mm -hmm. love woodworking. I like doing woodworking and metalworking, you know, and they can connect and, and, and share that uh, on a different level uh, and increase their, you know, the comfort they have with one another, because uh, especially in our business, running a design studio and now a startup, Collaboration and creativity are everything mm -hmm. and getting, uh, getting alignment on next steps is everything. And you can't do that unless you have open and honest conversations where you can communicate effectively and draw the same conclusions and, and chart a path forward. Right. And you really can't have those conversations unless you're comfortable communicating and you can't really be comfortable communicating unless you at least have a base level of trust or understanding of the people you're working with. So mm -hmm. I think it's very foundational and you can break it back, you know, just take the step back to, well, what do we need to get the results we want? And it all comes down to that cohesive communication and collaboration and helping people uh, connect in different ways is foundational to that because you learn more about what you have in common, what uh, similar experiences you've might've had and you know, in reality, what you might not like about work, you know, what, what you might share as a challenge working at one of these organizations, you know, every, every job is work, you know, and even if you operate in a great culture, there are still things that suck, there are still challenges, and connecting on those things uh, is an important piece of building that team trust. You hit on two of my, my three things that every leader needs to provide, and that was collaboration and connection. And you, you hit on two of them. The third one's purpose. Um, but I think, you know, to me, this inspires fun. And you also hit on, you know, you're in your job, like 70% of your life. And people need fun. You, you need to enjoy the people you're with. You need to enjoy the experience otherwise it's just a job and it's not meaningful and they're not going to step up and rise above and I, I feel like so many leaders forget how important fun is and I, I just I love that about you so um so tell me I know you've done a couple of these games before I think you did a whodunit game you want to explain what that was because you did that sure. on LinkedIn right yeah, so Who Done It was actually one of our first uh, games that we were able to run with a big enterprise customer. It's a ripoff of Clue. So for every sales activity you do, you get to earn clues to solve a case. And then at the end of the game, uh, the more activities you've done, the more clues you've collected. So you have a better chance of solving the mystery 
and you know whoever solves the mystery wins or whoever solves the mystery is entered to win you know however you kind of want to run it but again it goes back to that idea of touch points right uh, before we got involved with these programs you know sellers would be notified by email or over microsoft teams or maybe it's mentioned in the meeting but it's always like one little tiny thing on a bullet point list of 30 things that comes in an email that no one reads and you know they're wondering like why why aren't we getting the results we want and the reality is that you know we know in sales and marketing we need at least seven touch points to actually absorb information and, and understand what's going on. And so your sellers with new initiatives are exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. And so you can spam them. You can hit them up with the same message, the same bulleted list a hundred times, but it has to be content they want to look at. And they, they need those seven touch points or more, right? And so a game like Whodunit or the poker game or any of our daily play games, they let you have that touch point. Because if you've done something that's, hey, Andrew, come look at your clues. I come in, I look at my clues, I'm reminded of the stuff I have to do. And so you're building this pattern of getting the information you want in front of them, but in a way that they want to see. And is it, you know, is it a magic bullet? Is anyone like having, you know, some amazing time at work because they're earning clues for a stupid mystery? No, but it's enough to make it interesting and get your information in, in front of them. And well, it brings a little it, joy to your day. Exactly. And it's unexpected, right? It's unexpected and uh, it's blatantly for fun. It's not yeah. about a trick. It's not about, hey, if you do your job, you earn these points. And then, you know, it's doesn't, it's not, uh, you know, it's not designed to trick people into think they're playing. It's just <laughs> a game that you can layer on top and have a little bit more fun. And, you know, that's really one of my core principles is that a little little bit can go a long way. And I think so many of us are resistant to trying anything because we think it has to be some huge change to get huge results. And it's not true. Um, you know, the, the biggest leaps in innovation uh, are small steps or started as small steps. And so if you can make these little adjustments, like just having some fun along with the new initiative, I mean, the, res the results speak for themselves. And it's not, it's not rocket science. It's a game of clue. And so the leaders that sign on with you, I mean, this has got to be a good look for them. You know, it's interesting. I, the results are a good look. You know, we get a lot yeah. of feedback like, oh, my higher ups are taking attention, you know, or starting like to uh, notice the results we're getting. And that's a lot of fun. But there are a lot of barriers we still have to break through when it comes to gamification, especially at the enterprise scale. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that's not really well understood. I think it was a buzzword for a long time. I think it's been done poorly many times, many places. So there's a there's some interesting uh, storytelling challenges we have that uh, I don't feel like I've mastered yet, but uh, the proof is in the pudding. So we just got to keep replicating these results. Um, but to your point, the managers who are achieving these goals, uh, you know, they're doubling down on gamification for the next round. And we're having so much fun kind of pushing the envelope and seeing what we can do with them. Well, you, you had a recent, um, I think it's on your website and it's also certainly on your LinkedIn profile of the story of Claire and the success that she had with you guys. And it was pretty amazing. I mean, and she was describing like the before and the after, you know, can you talk a little bit about that success story? Yeah, absolutely. So that was the whodunit game you mentioned. And mm -hmm. that was a short, very short program. So many of these enterprise programs are like a quarter long or many weeks long. This was a very short program, only three weeks, but it was that three weeks that people played the whodunit game. And we saw the engagement go from, you know, less than 10% to almost 80%. And uh, the difference between of the revenue generated by, you know, 
in the category defined by the program between the people who played the game and who didn't play the game was $69 million. So $69 million in, in three weeks playing Clue. And, you know, it's, it's not, not only is it a ripoff of Clue, but it's like the dumbest ripoff you can imagine. Cause it's not a murder. That's a little dark. It's who made the mess in the mansion. So you have to choose, you know, a ripoff character like uh, Miss Crimson or Commander Condiment. And, you know, what food did they make the mess with, the mess with tacos, hamburgers, pizza. And then it's not a big, big, beautiful mansion. You know, it's like a very standard home. So there's like a laundry room. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a small half bath. So it, it's just having fun with the whole thing. And, and, you know, being very aware of how stupid it is, but hey, in this case, stupid works. But I think it points to the sense of humor that everyone needs to adopt in everything because life can be really freaking serious, right? And work can be really hard and really stressful and having those moments of levity, it, it makes you pause. It makes you kind of stop feeling the heaviness of everything going on in the world. And it, it gives you that break for a moment. So I, I get why it works. And just speaking from my own experience, I've seen it myself. So, you know, I'm hyper passionate about this. So you have a game or something coming up on September 5th. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So that'll be another uh, public version of our game. We run two of them on LinkedIn already, and they've been a ton of fun. So um, it's just daily post challenges. So this goes you know, in line with having more fun at work, um, you know, I really believe that the best content on LinkedIn is fun. It is self-aware and uh, it is playful. And that's what's, you know, really let me uh, connect with some awesome people on LinkedIn yeah. like you. And, uh, you know, I'm just a big believer in showing your personality and that, uh, you know, the definition of what is professional is changing and oh, totally uh, you know, ha or, or has changed. And so this is a just a, a fun game where we'll be playing our poker game again on September 5th. It's another hit where if you do the post challenge for the day, which is always goofy and fun, like write a haiku about your favorite food, or instead of taking a selfie, draw a selfie, you know, they're a doodle a selfie, um, you know, just fun challenges like that. If you participate, you'll earn a card for your poker hand. And then, you know, some folks with the best hands at the end of the contest will win. In our last contest, there've been kind of surprise prizes or, or surprises along the way um, for the posts we really like or ones that are hit with our team. Right. Um, you know, so it's just a fun way to post a little more on LinkedIn, show a little bit more yeah. of your personality and meet a lot of fun people. I know there's been tons of connections. Um, you know, I don't have the results of the first poker game in front of me, but it was unreal, you know, hundreds of posts, thousands of interactions, thousands of comments and people getting connected. So tons of fun. And, uh, yeah, I hope everyone will join us. And we have a mutual friend who won it twice. So you guys, this is legit. This, this is not like something you never get a prize. If you play, you have a good shot. So it's, I just think it's fantastic. I think um, it speaks to how LinkedIn has changed over the years. And I think what used to be an overinflated resume is now a platform of expertise and it's a, a forum for connection. And, you know, like you said, you know, we connected and that was as a result of a post you made. I reached out to you and was like, I need to know more. I am so excited by what you're doing. And I've just been so um, 
surprised and delighted by all of the conversations that I've been having with folks lately who are really experts at what they do. So if you don't follow Andrew yet, you should because his game is coming and it's, it's pretty darn cool. Um, so tell me, what is your ideal client? I know you said large enterprise clients. So um, maybe who are some of the clients you've had, or if you can't share that, what, what kind of client works? Best? Yeah, I can't share the specifics, but they're household names, big technology companies. You know, they work a lot with partnerships and alliances. And so we run programs that are often with uh, channel partners. Um, you know, the, the customers that are best fit for us are people who are already running incentive programs and contests. So yeah. they're already saying, hey, we're going to run a campaign this quarter where all of our sellers take these trainings and they can earn some swag or earn a gift card. You know, there, all these programs exist. Unfortunately, those are the programs that are getting, you know, 5%, 10% engagement. Um, so if you're running these programs and you're seeing engagement, you know, in that zone, our usual engagement is between 60 and 80%. So, um, Anybody who's running these programs and wants to run them better uh, is, is a great fit for us. And, you know, we didn't start with the games. The engagement stuff came later. We really started building the tools for the managers to run these programs because we saw how hard it was to run programs with hundreds or thousands of sellers. What a headache it was to just communicate about it, just deal with questions, just, you know, handle rewards and track results. All that stuff is a huge time suck. It's hard with like 50 people and with 500, it becomes near impossible. So Incentive Pilot was really born in just managing these programs. And it's funny because the games are fun. They're fun to talk about. I see the power of them. It's at the core of our brand, but I really, really love the time we save for people because I'm a big believer that you should enjoy work or enjoy work as much as possible. And anything that can be automated should be automated. So I'm incredibly proud of the tools we've built that save people time because we've heard it's like saves them a whole week of work every month or something like that. And they can run these contests with a much lower time investment. And it's great to save people time and give them back time, but it also makes the programs more effective because the, the more fun the program is, the more effective it is. And you can't really make a fun program unless you're having fun yourself, right? Okay. If it's a drag for you, it's, it's not going to be a drag for everybody. It's going to be a drag for That's everyone. Right. And so I'm a big believer that if you make something easier, if you layer, lower the barrier to entry, mm -hmm. you can, you know, much more easily bring the right energy. And, so, and that's, you know, that's what we see uh, at Incentive Pilot is you know, helping people save the time. If it's easy to do, they do it more. If they do it more, it's more fun. And, you know, everybody wins in the end. I think Claire talks about the amount of work she had to do for this. And she, I was listening to her and I was expecting her to be like, well, we had to get approval. We had to talk to this person. It took us about four weeks. That wasn't the case at all. Right. It was like very light lifting. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing came together in a few hours with, with Claire and her team. And uh, that, you know, that's now that now we've done it a few times, you know, that's on the long side. Uh, so no, we take great pride in the time savings and we can really easily work with our customers to plug in what they're trying to achieve to what we already have. And then there's not back and forth with a marketing team, our marketing agency, there's not mm. back and forth with managers, there's not back and forth with prize vendors. Um, you know, so it's really eliminating just a ton of that logistical overhead and and it's that's easy. what takes the most work, right? It's oh, yeah. managing all those different parts. So you're a one-stop shop for this sort of thing. That's fantastic. 
Yep. It's, it's been a lot of fun, uh, on this ride and, and I'm really proud of what we we've achieved, you know, for, and with our customers. So as a leader and as an entrepreneur, are there any mantras or simple things you subscribe to each day to kind of keep your head, you know, straight on and, and keep you focused on the right things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think jumping right back to the past conver conversation or comment is, you know, bringing the right energy, you know, um, I know it's my responsibility to bring a good, positive, but realistic energy to the table, uh, you know, every day, every meeting. And if I can't do that, I need to reset or, or uh, be honest about it with the team or, you know, whatever, but understanding that's a, a, a responsibility. So taking care of myself so I can bring that energy um, and having the perspective, right? Lucky enough to be building something that's a ton of fun. And um, it's easy to get caught up in the weight of not meeting your goals or the grind of the everyday. But um, I try to keep a perspective that I'm very lucky to have the job that I have and, um, you know, try to look at things uh, in a healthy perspective. I think as far as leadership goes, um, it's really about telling the truth and making sure that everybody's comfortable telling the truth because it's really, really easy to slip into uh, a culture where that doesn't happen, you know, and working at, uh, with these giant companies, both at, as uh, a UX designer uh, and now as a, as a software vendor, you know, you get into meetings with 10, 20, 30 people and you can feel the tension in the air. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's, I guess I would call it a toxic culture, but at the bare minimum, an unproductive culture where people don't feel like they can speak their minds. And, you know, I've been in a few situations where um, it became very clear that I was going to be the only person telling the truth on the call, you know, and uh, <laughs> having the courage to do that, I think is so important. And yeah, yeah it's lost us some business, but at the end of the day, that's not the people you want to work with. You can't produce good results, um, you know, working in a, in, a, in a dishonest environment. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me was, you know, in TVs and, and movie, uh, uh, in TVs, in movies and TV, um, you know, the toxic workplace is like so blatant. It's like a smacking you over the head. It's the boss that's like, you didn't finish the report. So you got to work all night, you know, and they're storytelling. So they have to do that. But I think in, in real life, organization of any scale, these problems arise naturally yeah. out of passivity. You know, yeah. it's not necessarily a toxic person that's bullying people. It's just the fact that when you get a certain number of people in a room, people are a little bit more afraid to tell the truth. And the, yeah. the, when they're a little bit more afraid, there's less communication. And that doesn't take long for that stuff to start producing bad results because yeah. the things that go unsaid don't get examined and things start going wrong. And then when things start going wrong, people are even more afraid to share. And so it's a natural problem with organizations of humans. And I think it's much more about passivity than it is, uh, you know, an active toxic agent. And so, you know, taking the active steps to make sure that communication is open, that things are being talked about, that people are comfortable sharing, how, you know, what they think. Those are really the very simple ingredients that, um, you know, you need to consistently have to, to, to have that productive environment. And it's, it's not hard. You just have to make it a consistent thing that's there yeah. all the time. 
Thank you for sharing that. I um, It's my observation that it starts with leadership. And if you embrace uh, an atmosphere of radical candor, which is not brutal honesty, radical <laughs> candor is being able to share feedback and explaining why something might be thought of differently and saying, you know, I understand why you're saying that, but can I offer this suggestion? I think this might be better. And this is why it's, it's being able to give that transparency without um, sacrificing, you know, the greater good um, and making someone feel small or belittled or, you know, like a piece of crap, um, which a lot of leaders like to do and they confuse leadership for power. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, uh, it's challenging when you see those kinds of leadership and those leadership styles. And I would envision that's not the most appealing environment to work in for you. It's not going to be super productive. Absolutely not. I think, you know, what leaders, a lesson I learned very early on working with, you know, some of our first employees is like, I don't have all the answers mm -hmm. and most of the time they have better ideas. And so, uh, you know, understanding how you can implement yeah. both ideas and see what works um, or, I agree. you know, co just compromise and understand that everything is an experiment, you know, especially in the design world and in the, in the uh, marketing world, in the startup world, everything is an experiment. No one knows it's yeah. going to happen. And, uh, you know, having an honest conversation about that being the reality. Uh, the other interesting thing, I was talking about this uh, with Tim Parkin on my podcast just the other day, but there's this weird phenomena where at the, the bigger the organization, the more people feel like their opinion is like tied to their identity or they have yes. to die on a sword for it. And, you know, I'm not sure that comes from, I've been thinking about that one for a week straight since I had this conversation, but you know, you can have ideas and you can share your thoughts without having to defend them to the death. And right? you can say, I don't know, but this is how I see it. Or my intuition is telling me this. I'm not sure why. And you can have very open conversations without anybody's identity position or, you know, anything serious at stake. Yeah. If you're in an environment where ideas aren't appreciated and best practices are not encouraged, like creating best practices are not encouraged, you're going to have a hard time sharing those ideas and being able to stand on your feet and be like, hey guys, I have a better way because you're probably worried about the backlash. But if you've got a leader, a leader that's going to say something along the lines of guys, I don't have all the answers and I'm looking to you because you're in the trenches and I want to hear your thoughts. I mean, every time I did that, my team was excited and they were like, great, I have an idea. I want to try this. And let's learn from our failures and let's honor the failures and let's say, okay, why didn't it work? What's the parts that did? Let's keep that. Let's hone that. Let's figure out a way to magnify it and make it better. But I think the whole like, no, no, your, your ideas aren't welcome because I've been doing this for 10 years or I've been doing this for 20 years. Okay. When was the last time you took a class? When was the last time you played a game? Like, when was the last time you honed your own skills? Because everything around you has evolved. So exactly. I, yeah, you, you and I could chat about that for a while, I'm sure. And now more than ever too, right? I mean, 50 years ago, 10 years of experience meant more because the world stayed the same longer, right? right? And so you could be more confident that you were right in those situations, but right? the world is changing fast and 10 years of experience is a wonderful thing to have, but it's also not the guarantee it was even 50 years ago. Yeah, that's such a good point. I haven't thought about that. You know, I'm so used to kind of the old school sales leadership style that's like, you know, I've been successful. I keep getting promoted. And, you know, the biggest mistake I see in sales, and I'm sure you see this, 
is when you have a rep who knocks it out of the park and they do really, really well. And for, due to a massive lack of creativity, management decides, well, we've got to magnify what we're doing. We're going to promote them to a manager. Well, did you ask the person, do they delight in the success of others? Because my guess is they don't. And by putting them in charge, you're creating an environment where no one's going to care about them. And <laughs> then they're likely going to manage up very well and they'll continue to get promoted, but all the people beneath them will suffer along the way and they leave. And I just see it over and over again. And it's just so disheartening when those people haven't been given the skills and the, the tools to lead with their heart and to actually ask those questions. You know, how can I be the best manager for you? When you, when you ask that question, it's a humble question. It's saying, I don't have all the answers and you're going to get different answers. Your people need different things. And I think it's just such an important question to ask. And most certainly sales leaders will argue they don't have the time. They'll say they don't have the time to do these nice, you know, soft skill style conversations. And it drives me crazy because it's, it's a part of the job. And it's part uh, of their job. And it's not, yeah, I think going back to the right, bringing the right energy, it's not, it doesn't yeah. take more time, it takes a different perspective and that's yeah. it. Well, uh, and when you know who your team is, you know how to stack them, you know how to use their skills and you know how to get place, get, get further faster. So yeah, I agree. So Andrew, how do people find you? LinkedIn. I mean, that's where uh, we found each other and, and where I'm getting connected the most these days. I just have to double down on what, you, you know, on what you shared and, and your post this morning and like LinkedIn is a, is a wonderful place of, mm. of positivity and, and support. And, um, it's, I think it's just about, uh, being, you know, being yourself and, uh, being, being genuine. And I kind of had a light bulb moment a few months ago when I thought about LinkedIn as sort of this inter interdimensional happy hour, right? It's like a networking event, but it moves at a much slower pace and you're kind of connecting here and there out of the blue. But when I had that shift in perspective, understanding this is a great place I can meet a lot of people um, and just kind of looking at it as like this ongoing time warp happy hour has been really, really effective because it changes your expectations for the conversations you're going to have. And you can go into that mode of learning about other people and understanding how you can help each other. And, uh, yeah, I'm a huge LinkedIn fan. It's, it's done great things for, uh, for me and for our business. Yeah, I, I think from a connection perspective and from a broadening your horizons perspective, it certainly has done that for me. And I, I see so often for people that are in those big tech companies, myself included, you know, you were your job. That's how you that's how you talked about yourself. And I tell all my friends now, I'm like, you are not your job. You are so much more than that. And I think um, that epiphany for me was was really quite remarkable and the way that I looked at other people. And now we're seeing this shift in titles and we're seeing how people talk about themselves in a way that we've never heard in corporate America before. Um, I mean, myself included, chief heartbeat officer. I don't know any other chief heartbeat officers, um, but it certainly is eye-catching and people are like, I want to know more about that. Um, and it's positive and there is a lot of positivity to be had out there and a lot of genuine folks that want to help, want to be supportive and want to refer you a business. And, you know, for this audience, guys, 
if you are thinking about doing an incentive program, this look no further. This is a really great way to do it. And I wish I had something like that when I was, you know, in my enterprise world. Um, I think it's just tremendous. So I, I'm, I'll be playing the next game. I'm excited. We're excited too. I'm happy to I'll look forward to see your posts. I'm still working on some of the uh, some of the prompts we're going to be doing. Oh, it's awesome. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Andrew, you've been a pleasure. I've enjoyed this so much and uh, look forward to the next episode of Heartbeat for Hire, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat for Hire. If you like what you hear, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave a five-star review. To keep the conversation going, you can find me on Insta or at LinkedIn at Lindsay Dowd, H4H, or you can reach me at my website, heartbeatforhire.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.